Hey, this is Kelly Whiffen. Thanks for joining us today for the Encounter Church podcast. We all want to live lives of better decisions and fewer regrets. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we believe the next 30 minutes can be one of the most helpful and hopeful parts of your week. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a couple messages. Thanks again for joining us today. Needed that this morning. I, I hit the snooze. Are any snoozers in there? Like I know we all snooze, but who hits the snooze button? Any spouses get really angry at that? Well, today, well, my wife is out of town taking the boys to see Grammy in upstate New York, and I think that's the reason I hit the snooze button like 16 times because there's no one to smack, you know, smack me right beside me. And I, I needed that band this morning. Last week, I don't think I would have uh, appreciated that band in my face. Did you see the look at, in his eye whenever he looked at the band like, okay, I'll get up, you know? <laughs> um, we all need a little boost. And this month we're looking at um, a model that's told uh, some incredible stories in the scripture from the life of Daniel. I started last week by saying, in order for us to reach our fullest potential, we have to have models. I briefly shared an illustration, if you weren't with us last week, about um, me and my baseball swing. My wife was taking a video of me, unbeknownst to me, uh, swinging and hitting balls for the first time in a long time. She said, hey, uh, good job hitting balls. I, I, I got a video of you. I'm like, oh, yeah? Let me watch it, you know? And I didn't like watching it. I'm like seeing all these problems, you know? I'm like, oh, man, this isn't good. It's been too long. We have to have models, not just in sports or coaches to make us better, but from everything, from parenting to being a good friend, right? To living out our faith is no different. Some of you grew up in homes where you saw faith lived out. Others of you could say, not me. I don't, I don't know what it, lo- what it looks like for me in my own personal journey to live out faith. And in fact, some of the greatest questions I have ever been asked as a pastor is how do I do it? I, I love that. I love that honesty. Like, how do, how do I do this? I don't remember growing up thinking like, how, how do I live out my faith? Because I had some models where I saw what it looked like to live out my faith. I remember thinking it was strange when it first started, but I remember my mom and my dad like opening up the Bible and just reading it at the dinner table I, I, but because I've seen it, right? And I remember them praying. I remember it being a normal thing to pray. And I remember when trying to learn to pray for the first time, I just prayed like sort of how I heard other people pray because I had a model to do that. One of my greatest memories of my son is just in both of my sons, but primarily Josiah because he's my oldest. When he started to pray for the first time on his own, I'm like, man, that's awesome. Just to listen to him pray. Much of the way he prays is exactly how, who do you think prays? Me. Right? His mom. Who said that? She prays too. <laughs> she prays too. Because, because my sons actually hear and see me pray, they're able to do that. But in faith journey, so many people struggle to know what does it look like and what does it sound like to live out the faith journey. This series entitled Brave is looking at the life of a man that lived out his faith in a brave way. And our hope and my hope for each and every single one of you, either listening in this room or listening online or at a later time, is that you begin the steps wherever you are. Take steps to live out your faith journey like we see Daniel live out his. Last week we said because of his integrity, because of his faith, 
God blessed him greatly. Because of his integrity and because of his faith, God blessed his story. In chapter 2, we pick up with a quite incredible story. Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had already won favor because they humbly and graciously asked one of the, the commander of what we would call Babylon University, Babylon University, he uh, requested that they not eat what the king gave them to eat. But instead, they requested and they said that they would fast and eat only vegetables and drink only water for 10 days. At the end of those 10 days, they took an inspection and they found that these four men that had fasted for four days looked stronger, healthier, and better than anyone else in the king's court. And because of that, not only did they win the favor of King Nebuchadnezzar, but they won the favor and they saw how God had blessed them greatly. Even though they were learning a new language, they were learning new literature, they were learning new stories, and they were learning all the history of the people that, of where they found themselves, it wasn't the training where they got their wisdom. The first chapter of Daniel says that they gained wisdom from God, that God blessed them because of it. In chapter 2, we pick up with an, an incredible story where King Nebuchadnezzar was troubled. The first part of Daniel chapter 2 says that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that troubled him. Now, this dream that troubled him was unlike any other dream. We learn of future dreams in, in, uh, in the book of Daniel, and we learn from also other literature and how these dream, uh, dreams of Nebuchadnezzar had often troubled him throughout their life. Now, I don't know if you remember your dreams. Some people just ha- tend to remember their dreams, I mean, almost every day. Um, and my wife can almost recount every week or maybe every other week of having this incredible vivid dream. And I have like one a year and it's typically pretty meaningless. In fact, I feel really bad. I just got to tell this story. One day I woke up with a dream and I felt bad for dreaming it. Anybody? You're like, what are you about to tell us? Don't worry. It's good. It's clean. Okay. I woke up one morning and I thought I was in such distraught because I graduated from the university of South Carolina and, um, We've had some pretty famous football coaches, even though we have never won a national championship. Coach Lou Holtz that won a championship at Notre Dame, ended up coaching and finishing his career at the University of South Carolina. And everyone thought, this guy's going to bring a national championship to the University of South Carolina. Well, he didn't, right? Coach Steve Spurrier won a national championship at the University of Florida. Had some great quarterbacks, Heisman Trophy winners. I'm like, this guy, he's going to bring a championship to the University of South Carolina. Well, he didn't, right? University of South Carolina tends to turn these coaches into retirees, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, one day I woke up like in a sweat, and I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Rachel's like, why? What's wrong with you? I'm like, Steve Spurrier died. <laughs> She's like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I actually thought it was real, and I was like, that's ridiculous. I can't believe I just dreamt that, and I can't believe that I woke up stressed that Steve Spurrier died. Okay, I'm going to move about my day. So those are the extent of some of my dreams. But this one, listen, this one was serious, right? King Nebuchadnezzar woke up and he was so troubled that he called all of the enchanters, all of the magicians, all of the the diviners, all of them together, the sharpest minds, the ones who could interpret dreams. He called them together. For some reason, and we don't know why, Daniel, even though he was already known in the, in the province of Babylon to be an interpreter of dreams, was not invited to this first meeting. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were not originally from Babylon. Remember, they were Jews that were sent here during the deportation when their city was destroyed. They were not invited to the first meeting. When the first meeting, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Hey, not only do I want you to interpret my dream, but I want you to tell me what the dream was. 
You can imagine the response of the audience at that time. Most scholars believe it was somewhere between 25 and 35 men in the room who were known in sorcery, who were known in magic, right? 25 to 35 people in the room. And they all responded in a similar way and said, how how are we supposed to do this? You're supposed to tell us the dream, and then we interpret it for you, right? And he said, no, no, no. If you have the power to interpret the dream, I want you to actually tell me what the dream is, right? Because the power to interpret should probably be the same source as the power to actually tell you what actually was the dream in the first place. He gave a very strict warning and curse to them. He said, if you cannot interpret the dream and you cannot tell me what the dream was, I'm going to cut you into pieces and turn all of your houses into rubble. Now, I don't know about your work environment, but I don't think it's like this one, right? (laughs) If you've had a bad day, just read Daniel chapter two and go, it ain't so bad, right? (laughs) I mean, work environment wasn't, wasn't good. And and so they're like, that's, you can imagine how they would respond and say, well, this is, this is unfair, right? How are we supposed to do this? And then the next thing that happens, um, Daniel steps in. Daniel gets word, and this is where I want to pick up. Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It says, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone to put the, to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and intact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which were their, their, their names, still Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and he said. Now before I read on, we'll just pause there for just a moment. What Daniel did when he found out the king's challenges, he went directly to the executor, right? Directly to him. Now, talk about being brave. This is different than a rock band, you know, in your room and inspiring you to get up and tackle another day, right? Daniel showed bravery in chapter 1 when he refused to eat the king's food. He was selected to serve the king, right? That was already an honor, but he was still in exile, right? When you're not from this town or from this community, you're always seen as an outsider. Talk about being an outsider. This is what they would say. They would say in the same way, where you're you're from. They knew where he was from. They didn't have to ask where he was from. He was an outsider. He was an exile, yet he had found favor in the king's court. But yet he goes, listen, he goes to the king and he says, to the king's commander and says, I want different food. Well, chapter 2, what does he do? He goes to the executor, to the one who would fulfill the king's command to kill them if they could not tell him the dream. And he says, with wisdom and with tact, the scripture says that we just read. He says, why is the king being so harsh? Questioning the king's rule. You know, one of the decrees of anyone that would question the king, not only in front of the king, it was lawful to kill Daniel in that moment. But the Bible says, with wisdom and with tact. I could imagine how with humility, how even in the tone of his voice, he would say, Arioch, I got a question for you. Why is the king having a bad day, right? And then he says to him, hey, let me explain to you the matter. And he explained to him the matter. Listen, the king believes 
that not only should you be able to interpret, but you should be able to tell him the dream. And what does Daniel say in faith, in courage, and listen, in bravery, he knows his neck is already on the line, but he steps his neck on the line with his friends and says, give me some time and I'm going to figure it out. Give me some time and I'll figure it out. What do they do? He goes to God and then God tells him the dream. And then this is what he says. I want to pick it back up in verse 20 where I just left off a moment ago. And this is what he said to God after God told him the dream. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and season. He deposes kings and raises up other. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and I praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You had made known to us the dream of the king. What do you do in a time of trouble? What do you do? Now, you would respond and say, it kind of depends, right? I mean, if I need to fix something, I might grab a screwdriver, right? If I need help, I may ask a friend of mine to come over because it's a little too heavy for me. If I need help in parenting, maybe I call a counselor. Maybe I call another friend who is 10, 15 years ahead of me. Right? So it just depends on the problem, right? But so easy for all of us to respond to issues and respond to problems to fix it. That's what we want to do, right? We want to fix it. But the thing about humans, we don't like pain, right? And we, want, and we like expediency. We want it to be fast. Fix it and fix it fast. That's what we do. Okay, so your response, I heard someone say pray, your response is to fix it and to fix it fast. And if you can't fix it, you can do one thing. Fake it till you make it, act like you know what you're doing, or convince yourself that you know what you're doing, which could be pride in the first place, right? Or tell yourself there's not a problem. We have a problem with problems, and we don't know what to do. Now, this scenario is quite unique because he knows his life is on the line, and so is potentially 50 others and their homes. And so what does Daniel do? In so many ways, guys, i, I got to tell you, the point of this, of this passage and of chapter 2 is so simple, but yet so, so profound. And I, and I think if you're like me, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor like me or if you're new to faith. And some of you in this room today may even say, I, I'm not sure if I've even started my faith journey. I, I don't have a strong faith in God. And maybe I would say, even hopefully you would say, yeah, you're open to it. You're at church today. But no matter where you are in your journey, there is a tendency to turn to God in a time of need, right? In a, in a time of serious need. The first pastor I worked for named Mark Reiser, who's still pastoring that church, I worked for him uh, for a couple of years as a youth pastor when Rachel and I first got married uh, before we moved. And I would remember his incredible faithfulness to go to the hospital every day. He was also an army chaplain. And uh, he wrote in a contract in the time of pastoring a local church in a time of war. I want you to know I'm still in reserve as a chaplain. I may go. And so he left his duty as a pastor to go uh, into war zones uh, a few times over the last uh, 30 to 35 years. And so serving faithfully over there, he would say, son, I want to tell you this. He would tell me like he never told me before. And I heard it repeated to me. And I'm glad that he repeated it to me. 
I'm not always glad when people repeat things to me. Yes, right? My children are not glad when I repeat things to them. But things that are, are, are repetitive stick, positive or negative. But he stated this in the positive so much. He said, son, people look up when they're on their back. The time to help them is when they really are hurting, right? And he would go to the hospital almost every single day. He would go into rooms of people that he knew. He would go into rooms of people that he did not know, right? Because in a time of need, people would cry out. Even the people, some people that had faith would say, listen, I believe in God. I'm praying. I'm asking for God's help. Then other people that are far from God that don't have faith, they're still open to someone praying for them. It can happen, but it doesn't happen all too often when you go into a hospital room and say, can I, can, can I pray for you? Someone that doesn't pray or doesn't even believe in prayer, they have a tendency to answer that question with a yes. What do you do in a time of need? doesn't matter where you are in your faith journey. Let me tell you, it is easy to do the opposite of what we should do, which is turn to God. I'm not necessarily talking about the small things. I'm, I'm talking about the things that you know you can't fix. I'm talking about the things that you know are out of your control. We want to fix them, and we want to do everything we can not to avail our own responsibility, because certainly we are responsible. You don't just say, well, I'm just going to pray and trust God to fix it. No. We have our own responsibility. But looking at the life of Daniel, what does he do? Let me tell you, there could have been several options that Daniel had to try to fix and remedy this problem. The first is to get these smart guys together, right? The second is to make up a story. In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar assumed that they would start making up stories. And so he actually says it in chapter 2 at another point that we're not reading because it's a long chapter. He says, basically, you, you can't compile your own story, right? How am I supposed to believe you? If you can tell me the dream, then I know that you're right. So tell me the dream. So what does Daniel do in a time of need? Look at this. Daniel sought God for answers, and he worshiped him. In a time of need, Daniel sought God, and he worshiped him. One of the most powerful prayers I've ever heard was my, at the time, seven-year-old son, now 10, when I heard him pray one night and he said, God, I need your help. I don't know what to do. I remember it like it was yesterday, right? I remember it like it was just a moment ago. Because I'm like, God, if he gets that, like I can send him out of the home. Not at 10, right? Sometimes I feel like it, but no, not at 10. But like if he gets the fact that I, I'm going to need help in this life, I am not perfect. If he grasps that, until, oh, and in just a few moments, I mean, if you, if you grasp that, we can end church today. Like in a time of need, if you truly believe that God can help you, it changes everything. Even people that are not walking a faith journey, at least in a time of need, are very open to spirituality. They're very open to hearing about Jesus. They're very open to God. Not everyone, I know for sure, are not. But so many people in a time of need are. But in a time of need, look at what Daniel did. He sought God. He got his friends together. And this is exactly what he did. He said, fellas, let's ask God for help. In fact, in the Hebrew, we translate this word, we plea. In the very colloquial, common language, it's beg. He begged his friends to beg God. He begged his friends to beg God. When's the last time you begged God? Right? Think about that. 
When's the last time you were in such desperation? Sometimes we beg ourselves or we beg other people, but like that's in a point of your life where you come to, that you're in a point of desperation that you beg others to beg God. You know you need help when you're begging others to beg God. And I wish that I could tell you that God is going to give you your plea in the middle of the night like he did in Daniel chapter 2, but he doesn't always. And sometimes God doesn't answer your request the way that you want him to answer your request. But here is a promise that we see all throughout scripture that we just sang about. God is faithful. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. A promise that we see in the scripture through the power of God's spirit that is present. And we just sang about that too. That God's presence is here. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But when people seek him out, he answers. There's an incredible Bible teaching and Bible story. Even when Jesus teaches, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Seek and you will find. Years later, quoted in James chapter 4, verse 8. The Bible says that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Some would confess, I've never really experienced God. There's a... Bible verse that says, if you, if you draw near to him, you can, right? If you never enter into the kitchen, you'll never eat, right? If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Daniel begs his friends to beg God to answer, and he does. These are my two favorite verses in this, I don't know, 49 or 50 verses in here. It's really simple. We just read them up just a moment ago. He urged them to beg God. Verse 19 then says, during the night, God revealed. He asked them, he begged them to beg God, and during the night, God told them. And then what does Daniel do? I read this just a few moments ago, starting in verse 20. He just praises God. He says, God, thank you. Like, I believe. And church today listening, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your faith journey, whether you've been a Christian and had faith in God a long time, or whether you're new to faith, new to encounter, I can assure you one thing, that God is a God who loves you, and he is a God who's present. And he is a God who, when in time of need, if and when you pursue him, God does and will respond. So what does he do next? How does he continue this brave moment? And let me tell you, he does. In verse 24, then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret it for him. Now he knows this. What's not stated there is I'm going to tell him his dream, too. Like the vision that Daniel had, because we just skipped over a lot of verses, right? The dream itself. You can read about it later. We skipped over a lot. Not only was he going to interpret it, but he's going to tell him the dream. Verse 25, Arioch took Daniel to the king at once. Why? Because Arioch was on his way to kill, right? He said, let's go. Are you able? Are you able? Oh, verse 25, excuse me, let me finish this one. I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what the dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, I love this reply. No wise man, no enchanter, no magician, no diviner can explain to the king 
the mystery he has asked about. Right? Let that one sink in first. No. How about that, King? No. No one you've, you've already asked them. They told you they couldn't do it. It's true. No. No wise man, no enchanter, no sorcerer, no magician, no diviner. No one can do this. Look at verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. I want to say, I want to rewrite this. Daniel, don't you mean he showed you, right? He showed me last night. He showed uh, the other fellows that were in the room with Daniel. No, he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And then he goes into a long discourse explaining the dream, exactly what happened and how it happened. I love what Daniel said in this brave, courageous way, standing in front of the king. I'm sure there's a little bit of a, like a drop the mic moment, you know? Daniel did not have a microphone, right? But I'm sure there was a drop the mic. No king, but God can. No king, but God can. Daniel told the king he could not, but God could. Daniel told the king he could not, but that God could. If you believe that, it is truly, it is truly something that will shape and change you forever. The belief that you cannot on your own, I really do believe, is what ultimately leads to a life of faith. I don't know how often you've heard um, the word salvation. Those who have attended church and been around church and faith for a long time, we talk about this idea of, of being saved. We believe that each and every single one of us were born into a life, when we, when we were born, we were born into a life of sin. We don't have to teach good timing, little baby, right? Chris and Jenny don't have to teach little Henry. To, to do bad things, right? To, to run around the house and to disobey, right? Because we all are born with that tendency. We don't teach bad. We teach what? We teach good, right? We're all born that way. And the Bible says because of that, we deserve to spend eternity apart from God. But Jesus, knowing this, gave himself and died on the cross and offered salvation to anyone. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from a life of death, saved from a life of spending an eternity apart from God. That through faith, we can acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior and spend eternity with him in heaven after we die. Now, we call that salvation, that you're saved from sin and saved to walk and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, what does that require? Someone to get to a place in their life that they actually say, I need help, right? Someone that says, I need help. Now, I don't know about you. I'm sure my... Parents aren't going to do this, right? But like as we get older, we get stubborn, right? Well, why do sick people not go to the doctor? I don't understand. Like it's just like you're sick. Go to the doctor. No, I'll be fine. Right? Just, just some stubbornness, not in, uh, in, in, in parents or when you get into your, your older, latter years. There's stubbornness from the time you were born, right? From the, we are all guilty. We're all stubborn. We don't need help. I can do it myself. That's the nature of humans. I can do it myself. You can do it yourself. But the person who realizes that they can't and turns to God for help, it changes everything. This is exactly what Daniel literally was saying to the king, that there's no one that can do this, but realizing that God can. The fact that he went to God the night before 
was because Daniel truly recognized that this one was far above his ability to interpret someone's dream, to interpret someone's story. I hope and I pray that you either today or sometime very, very soon in your heart, even if you're driving down the road, maybe you can say it right now in this room to God, just quietly in, the, in your heart, God, I can't, but I, I believe that you can. In the areas of my life, I, I can't, but I do believe that you can. When does God show up? When someone pursues him and asks him. And this is exactly what Daniel did. How does the king respond? I'm kind of nervous reading this story. Even when I read it for, um, even though I've read it in the past, when I'm reading it, I'm kind of nervous. Even though I kind of know what's happening, even this week rereading the story, I'm like, uh-oh. He tells him what the dream is. The dream, let me just tell you this, the dream isn't good news, okay? It's sort of so-so news for King Nebuchadnezzar, but in short, the dream was a, a vision of how his kingdom would fall how the next kingdom after him would fall again, the next kingdom after him would fall again. And then once, once there's four kingdoms in this dream, the fourth kingdom would rise and last forever. Most scholars interpret that to be Rome, right? The power and the rise um, of what happened in Rome, that they would overthrow the Medes and the Persian. They would th- overthrow the Assyrians. And so he's listening to this, and I'm like, uh-oh, how's he going to respond? What's King Nebuchadnezzar going to say? Take your dream and get out of here. I don't believe you. I'm not happy that you told me that dream. What happens is incredible. Look at verse 46. It'll be on the screen. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell after the dream was told to him. Prostrate. King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor in order that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, and he lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the province, the entire province of Babylon, and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, here a little, hey, while while we're in good with the king, let me ask him about my friends. Hey, I like the promotion. Can you hire my buddies too? So chapter 2 ends that way. You got a promotion and ask for your friend to get a promotion? That's, that's pretty good. I mean, after they tell you about your increased pay, right? In verse 49, moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators, were basically like governors over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Now, to get this picture, the king fell prostrate. Now, what would you assume that we would do in the presence of kings. We'd bow. We would do what? We'd kneel. But the final one, in complete submission, is to lie flat on the ground. Imagine the king. After the, the dream was revealed, he falls flat on the ground. He is so humbled by the ability that Daniel just shared the entire dream with him. And we know that King Nebuchadnezzar never told anyone the dream. He's waiting for someone to tell him. And then Daniel does. Now, he does give a little honor to Daniel and respect to Daniel. But what I like about this story is that King Nebuchadnezzar realized it wasn't just Daniel. That Daniel gave the credit and the honor to God. And he said, listen, I can't. I just told you that. I can't, but God can't. And then word for word, boom. Where did Daniel get this information from? He and his comrades, you know, they, they didn't, comrades, they didn't get together and, and piece this thing. 
And he didn't get all, all of the sorcerers and the magicians together and call on some spirit to reveal some writing on the wall though that happens in the future chapters. He didn't do that. He said, God, just tell me. And God showed him the dream. And then Daniel is recognized and given the promotion of all promotions to be the man in charge. But it goes far beyond Daniel. Because what King Nebuchadnezzar say, we actually see a turn in this king. Though he is evil and does much evil, we'll look in the next few weeks how this evil continues from King Nebuchadnezzar. Something turns in him when they said, your God, though we have a lot of gods around here, he would say, right? Your God is the God of gods. And your Lord is the Lord of all the kings. His faith journey, I really do believe, started right here, right now. King Nebuchadnezzar did have a transformation in his life. He did have a heart change. And it started when he saw someone else's faith. And it started when he saw someone else's faith lived out. And he says, your God's powerful. I can't deny that. And I believe that your God is not just Lord, but your your God is the, the Lord of all kings. And what I want you to take away is that all of us are going to have and do have in some right now, incredible times of need, incredible times of need, where we are lost, where we are truly a, a, a ship without any direction. We are truly a person that doesn't want to wake up in the morning and go to work, right? And you do need a rock band, but even after the rock band wakes you up, you still don't want to go. We truly feel like that, that way in, in our time of need, be it physical, emotional, relational, uh, financial, In your time of need, what are you going to do? I want to tell you this as we close. In your time of need, avoid the tendency of trying to solve problems on your own. And and, and as we keep this up here, I want you to think about this for a moment. What I'm not saying, and I know so many problems, they can be solved by us. Yes, go solve the problem. If you can solve it, you can fix it. There's a path ahead of you. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about those things where we know we need help. In your time of need, pursue God. Ask Him for help. Sometimes even in my curiosity when I'm meeting with people that I know have faith and that I know are Christians, I'll actually ask them, have you, have you prayed about this? And I'm surprised that sometimes the amount of people that say, no, I really need to. I'm like, just, it doesn't matter. Write down your prayers. It doesn't matter if you're just praying, going down the road. It's not even out loud. It's just in your heart and in your mind. But I'm like, listen, you need God's help. You need God to show up, just like God showed up for Daniel, time and time again. We need God's help. And if your faith journey is just beginning, I hope, and I pray from today, the next few days, that you'll even start your faith journey, sort of like King Nebuchadnezzar started his. Now, don't mess up your workplace like he tried to, but... I think there is something powerful in King Nebuchadnezzar recognizing that there is a God and I want to honor him. You can take that step of faith. In faith, I hope that you'll seek God and worship him. This is exactly what Daniel did. Daniel did not have all the answers. And let me tell you, Daniel had trouble. Daniel just lost family. He lost loved ones to the exile, to murder. He was in a country not his own. He was forced or tried to be forced to eat certain things. He was forced to learn a new language. 
He was a sharp dude, so he won favor in the king's court. But now in the king's court, he's asking for some of the king's commands to change. Right? Talk about some pressure. But yet he let that faith ride. He let that faith out. And God honored him. And God blessed him. And what did he do right here? Though he did not have the answer, though he did not know what to do, though he could not interpret the dream, he simply said, God, would you help? And God did. And for you and your faith journey, no matter where you are, I got to assure you this, that God will help and that God will show up. And if you are a Christian, you are following Christ, be brave. Be brave. Be brave in your words. Be brave in your steps. And God will show up. And as a result, you will be blessed as you continue your faith journey and as you worship God in your life. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. Did you know we've created a free app just for you? Whether you are exploring or want to grow in your faith, the app is a great place to start. If you found today's teaching helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you on site or online at Encounter Church soon.